from the liberal northeast comes a lone voice of truth honest commentary in dishonest times think deeper with juan newsome this is the cure radio program This is The Cure. So we're back, part two of The Common Sense Cure. Uh, my guest and co-host, Jonathan Henderson, liberty versus liberalism. So we're starting out. Uh, we're going to start with Romans. Is that correct, John? Romans 13, yes, sir. All right, are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. So... In our last discussion, we talked about liberty versus liberalism, and I think that some of the important points in there were that absolute freedom without any sense of virtue, accountability, or responsibility to the greater portion of society is not, that does not engender freedom. What it does is actually destroys freedom as people default to a self-serving behavior, right? So now how does that play into the larger perspective, right? When you read Romans 13, 13.1 says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Okay. So verse two, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Okay. Mm -hmm. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will you then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same. So when you look at the things that we do in our society, our, our society, number one, was founded, we were founded as a nation under God. We did not have a state-sponsored religion, which is the, def- the distinction between separation of church and state. There yeah. was no state-sponsored religion, but we were founded as a Christian nation because the ideals that we were founded upon and our laws were all based on biblical principle, right? Yeah. That's right. So with that in mind, then, when we look at the rulers and the things that we have, and I, I, I use the term rulers in a kind of a pejorative manner, um, our president, our governors, our mayors, the people that we work with to rule our land and keep our laws, the rule of law intact, we are trusting them with a power that we are trusting them to not abuse that power, but also saying there, there is a contract in our freedom an, an implied contract that we also intend to act in a civilized fashion without harming other people. And when you violate that, when you start endorsing criminal activity, right? I've watched the news now for the last month, and the, all they talk about is the increasing crime rates around the nation. Um, or that's some of the stuff they talk about. The increasing crime rates are problematic because every time you, uh, and then to, not just the increasing crime rates, but the fact that our legal system is just kicking people back out on the street because they can't get bail reform right. Right. That's right. right. So get bail reform right without letting the criminals off the hook. Right. That's right. There's a better way to do that. If our cash bail system is not the best way to do that, then fix the cash bail system. It's like our immigration process. Our immigration process is broken. That does not mean open the borders and let everybody come here willy nilly. That's right. Right. That's exactly right, John. 
So when we enforce virtue as a standard within society, when we enforce that model within government processes and ensure that the right answer is the one that is upheld by the rule of law, then you've created a society where freedom can actually operate within context and within bounds. Absolute freedom is anarchy and chaos, right? Yeah. And so without that balance of order and without the people as soon as you're born into this country, you basically have a contract as a citizen that you are required to act responsibly, right? Now, all things being equal, we are also called to overthrow, overthrow corrupt authority, which means that when we have too many laws on the books, when there are so many things that you can be penalized and punished for, and the laws begin to become a source of revenue generation as opposed to maintaining law and order, mm-hmm. we've gone too far. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I, I understand. And that's where I I that's the part where I agree with the libertarian crowd, with some of the liberal crowd, that there's a point where too much regulation, too much imposition, especially when it's just designed to make money, is that that's corruption to the core. Right. Yeah. And we have we have an obligation to overthrow those leaders. Right. Because that is the maintaining of justice and the rule of law. You cannot have corrupt rulers enforcing laws. That 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 doesn't work, right? Yep. And so when when we look at those paradigms, then it's important to note that that virtue and accountability applies to everyone at every level, right? Mm-hmm. If your if your rulers are corrupt, hold them accountable. If your if the people that are in charge are doing the wrong things, you hold them accountable. A lot of people like to just say, "Well, we'll just vote them out next time." But there there are recall elections. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yep. There, there are things that the Department of Justice can do against the um, legislative branch, right? That we don't even know about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they can hold Congress accountable, right? The Supreme Court can hold Congress accountable. Now they make a ruling in the courts and they say, no, that law is nullified, right? But nullification at a state level is still possible. So mm-hmm. if the federal government passes a, let's say, a federal vaccine, a federal vaccine mandate, um, that can be nullified at the state level. Yeah. And then they, ha- they have to go to a 10th Amendment challenge at SCOTUS to resolve that issue. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so and, and that's another thing that we can do uh, besides the vote is a convention of the states. Right. Yeah. I'm, convention I'm, of def- the states. I'm definitely a supporter of that movement, the convention of the states, because same. Right. Because because our government is corrupt to the core and everybody knows it, but nobody's willing to do anything about it. But in our Constitution, it it gives us the right to abolish and replace our current government if it has become abusive of its power. Right. It's not going to fix itself. You know, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, once you get into everyone knows this, it's the D.C. swamp. Once you get in there and you start getting muck on you, you you are mucky from that point forward. Right. Yeah. There, there are very few that stay above the fray and most of them don't last more than one or two terms. Yeah. Everybody they, they, hates Rand Paul, but I love him. That's right. Rand Paul is one. Jim Jordan is one. Right. Yep. Um, back in the day, there was a Mike Lee from Utah was one. Um, yep. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is one. Right. So those are the people that you actually want to keep. Those are if I, I'm four term limits across the board, no matter who's doing it. But if there was ever a downside to term limits, it would be the fact that you got to force people like that who make the right stands, you force them out of office as well. Yeah. And so, and so you, you have to find people 
there almost needs to be like a training program that forces people to adhere to the constitution, to understand it, number one, then to adhere to it and to uphold it with a sense of virtue, accountability, and personal responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you did, if you did those things at all levels, federal, state, local, all those things, <clears throat> you would actually solve for a lot of, well, I don't know if you'd solve for it because you can't, you can't correct for human nature in, in a, a mass uh, in a one size fits all approach. Right. Yeah. 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 That's right. So you have to use human nature for what it's intended and what it's going to do naturally. And most humans are self-serving, right? That's true. So, so if you, uh, I'm sorry, all humans are self-serving. Just most use that for things that may or may not be beneficial. So once you understand that is this true nature of humanity, then your training programs and the expectations you have for the people that are managing your country's affairs, those things change, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, we, we've adopted this notion that as long as you can make money at it, there's no big deal with it, right? That's the argument for, uh, we talked about this last time briefly, um, legalizing marijuana in order to generate tax revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I keep laughing because libertarians always say, well, generate tax revenue. I'm like, so you want to grow government by providing them more of an economy? I said, well, walk me through your thought process on that, right? Yeah. They, they don't they do not do it, right? So <laughs> it yeah. is what it is. You know, yeah. but, but, but those are the things that we have to take into context and say, okay, is there, just because you make money at something, does that mean you should, right? Exactly. That's right. the same thing that I with illegal immigrants, you know, a lot of people and I get arguments from people that say, well, you know, we got to make them a part of the economy. Like just because it's beneficial financially and, and from a tax revenue standpoint doesn't mean that we should do it. Well, and by make them a part of the economy, what does that mean? You underpay them because they don't know any better because they're fresh yep. off the boat. Yep. Right. I mean, that's not better for them. That's better for you. Right. Exactly. Again back to the self-serving argument where people, I mean, American industry has failed in large part because unions wanted too much pay for people that didn't always perform. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that drove the cost of goods and services up. So now they outsource and get the products done for uh, 10 cents on the dollar for what they were paying American labor for. They ship it back, absorb the shipping cost in that remaining 90 cents, and they're still making a profit and getting the same result. Now the goods are not as good, right. Made in China. That's is right. made in made in China. It's not going to be a good good option for you, right? And yeah. I've done international trade on that level where I'm ordering products from China, you know, glasses and different things that were plastic mold and everything else. Mm-hmm. And in those things, the quality is what the quality is, right? But when you're talking about major components and parts for things that should last for a long time and they're expendable and replaceable because you can make them cheaper you lose the quality control where it comes to driving the, the highest um, quality of product you can, you can uh, obtain. That's right. That's right. We may, we missed that, you know, may, there's very few things that you can point out and say, Hey, you know, this, you know, even though America has like one, still one of the largest, we're still one of the largest exporters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still don't see, you see a lot of stuff made in China, made in India, made, you know, right made in Mexico, wherever, um, Chile, you know, we import, you know, a lot of goods, a lot of American companies, um, you know, when it came to some of those trade agreements, they took it upon themselves um, to export 
a lot of that work. And then government doesn't make it any easier, you know, by adding on taxes and regulations and rules right. and so forth. Um, that kind of drives that business overseas. Right. So. <laughs> well, and then the environmental crowd, right? Conservation is one of those things where we should most definitely enforce conservation and good stewardship of the environment. That doesn't come by throwing more money at government. That comes with enforcing laws and making sure that people are held accountable when they dump their waste into uh, freshwater streams. What's yep. the penalty for them, right? The penalty yep. should be they're out of business. You get that one time to say, okay, that was my mistake. I, I something broke, whatever. So if it was intentional dumping, put them out of business the first time, right? Yeah. You know, because there's no reason for us to pollute our waterways with bad products. You should, you should have already thought of filtering mechanisms, holding tanks. Um, uh, what's the other word that I'm looking for? Uh, diffusion systems and all that stuff. Things that offset the impact, the direct impact to the environment of the products that you're producing and, and putting the waste back into that system. Yeah, with the technology available, you know, you really don't have to wait. There's no excuse, right? There's really no excuse with the technology that's right. available with the ways and means. And, you know, to be totally honest, uh, when you look at some of this waste, you know, it's not really American companies that are doing a lot of this waste um, when you see well, stuff on, in the, on, the, on the oceans. That's correct, right? When you're looking at a floating island of plastic in the middle of the ocean, that that's right. What is it like 70% of it comes from China? China. It's like, man, come on. They're not even trying. China, some places in Latin America. I remember India. Uh, India. Yep. I remember traveling and you seeing stuff on the beaches and right. You know, just <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't, you know, Americans in terms of and some places don't have the actual uh, in terms of trash co trash collection and pickup. Right. And waste disposal don't have the systems that America has, right. you know, a lot of people don't understand that um, that are here, you know, you know, not every place do recycle um, in this world. Right. Um, you know, maybe in, in the Western part of the world. Yeah. You know, United States, Canada, um, you go over there to Great Britain. Yeah. But, you know, as the further you get east. You know, those those things, those mechanisms, those systems aren't really available. Right. Um, yeah. Then there's our, our landfill systems. Those those have a shelf life, right? Because you can only yep. put so much stuff in the ground before it comes back to the surface, no matter what. Right. Mm -hmm. So so consuming less is smart conservatism, you know, not buying everything because you want it, but making sure you need it. That's smart conservatism. Nobody wants to hear those things anymore. Yeah. Everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses and show, show their wealth off to the world and do all that stuff. And it's just, yeah. it's like, wow. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think? Um, now going back to, you made it a point when you talk, you, uh, going back to your earlier point, you're talking about the cash bill system. And mm. as a result, all of these liberal policies, um, you know, you have, you don't really have, you know, liberty, quote unquote, you have kind of like a lawlessness. Do you think the decent people um, in this country that are looking at some of these major cities, typically these liberal, liberal ran cities, do you think they're fed up at this point and they're kind of like opening their eyes and 
<laughs> Did you uh, toss that up as a baseball pitch or what? So in my book, I laid this out and I actually argued with my editors about this because they're like, you can't, you can't state what you're stating. I said, well, you have to, if you want to keep a free nation. Um, in the cities where, and this is, I advocate this in my solution chapter, I think it's chapter 11 in the yeah. back of the book, chapter 10 or 11, is that the, and I wrote this book in 2020. So keep in mind that all of the crap that was going on, the race riots, the, the rioting and looting and the burning 574 different events in different cities across the nation that were only designed to destroy, to take, to, to harm and threaten the uh, populace at large those all those blm and antifa riots and all this stuff were designed for a political intent and that yeah. was to dis disrupt this nation to get people on edge to profit by taking goods and things that didn't belong to them and then to intimidate businesses and shut them down right and the majority of those businesses that were affected uh well i don't say the majority but a significant number of them were black owned businesses yeah so when were. you when you say black lives matter and you march and do all that stuff and then you start burning and looting black stores, do black lives matter? Cause the, the, the lives and the income and the livelihood of those people that you just affected do their lives matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so the solution that I proposed, and this is where we're going to eventually get to in this nation um, is that you will, you will have to have people in cities, whether they hire people like me with that background and they, we come in and, maintain the peacekeeping solution as best we can or you get the local citizens and you arm all of them and when the next riot and all that crap happens in your in your town you form a, a circle a square have your blocks and you know stuff is set up around the people doing that thing and then you hold them all accountable you arrest them the local law enforcement declares it a um state of emergency under the patriot act orders okay yeah and after that, they everyone that's involved in that process, if the protesters shoot back, you put them down right there on the ground, right? There, there's no there's no arguing with them. They've already proven their intent. The buildings yeah. burning behind you have already proven that they hate this nation and are actually domestic terrorists. So there's yeah. no need to argue with them. We don't have to treat them kindly or peaceably. You simply round them up, take them all to jail and charge them as domestic terrorists and charge them with terrorism for their actions. And you do that with all the people involved. And if they manage to fight back and shoot and start to harm the good people, you take them out. There is yeah. no, and, and I'm not, I'm not talking dating. I'm not talking about putting them on the ground and being nice to them. You shoot them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it sucks to say that because you're talking about harming people that should be good citizens. But the fact is they're not good citizens, which yeah. means, yeah. you know, I, I hate those phrases, all lives matter, or certain lives matter, whatever else. If you're not a good person, your life does not matter. And, that, and that's a that's a fact of God, right? If you're not if you're not a good person, where do you go mm -hmm. when you die? You go to hell. That's correct. So does your life matter to God? Mm, not really. Only if you're repentant, right? Mm -hmm. Again, liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. When yeah. you when you tie it back to our foundational premise of this conversation, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the rule of law is inherent, there is liberty. Right. Mm -hmm. When people act accountable and with virtue, there is liberty. The moment that people stop doing that, the moment that people begin to destroy for their own means and intentions and evil desires, liberty has ceased to exist. And now liberalism has taken over. Liberalism is the I can do what I want and you can't stop me approach. Right. That's yeah. rebellion. It's that attitude of, you know, 
screw it all. I'm going to incite chaos and do whatever I want to because I can get away with it. And what are you going to do to me? Okay, well, let's put the penalties back in place for what we can do to you. Right. And and, and that's what it's going to take is every armed citizen in that town walking right over to the town square or the central business district or wherever they're doing their stuff. Right. Based on the size of the city. And you march right over there and you surround them and you say, you folks have had your day. You're done. And you detain them all using citizens arrest powers because that is still part of the process. And you you arrest and charge them all as domestic terrorists and you max out the sentence. And those that resist, you put them in the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly do, my thought. Do that twice. Do that twice. Okay. I promise you there will be no more riots in America for 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we are we are guaranteed a right to peaceable assembly by our constitution. As and long as you're peaceable. peaceable. As long as you're peaceably assembling, I support your right to do whatever you can. You can have a peaceable assembly that you want to defend the rights of aliens to visit this nation or this planet and do whatever you want. I, I don't care. Right. But the moment you begin to destroy buildings and property and people, you are a terrorist. You're a piece yeah. of garbage and you need to be dealt with accordingly. Yep. Yep. I totally agree with that. I always thought, you know, some of these mayors, um, you know, during that summer uh, with all of those riots after George Florida, some of those mayors right. are just going, I said, man, if I was a mayor, I would I would say shoot them on sight. throw a molotov cocktail in your or try to throw a molotov cocktail through your window shoot them right there yep let let, let them inside it and here's the other part the reason why i said all the citizens have to band together the police nor the national guard nor the military military is posse comitatus unless we're in total chaos that's not happening so your national guard can be called in but most of the time what are they doing sitting on the sidelines and watching and protecting high value targets, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they do not engage because they don't want to be held accountable for the lawsuits and the ramifications if they harm a citizen in the performance of federally authorized or um, title 10 or title nine, title nine and 32. Sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. Those, those duties that are, that they're called to do law enforcement can't touch these people because law enforcement have to abide by a set of rules that the criminals never have to. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the most frustrating things for any law enforcement officer, and they won't say this because, it, well, some of them say it, but most of them, if you ask them in an honest conversation, you know, what the most frustrating part of their job is, it's dealing with people that they know are guilty of sin and they can't do anything about it because they can't build the case or gather the evidence without crossing a line that would otherwise be they would obtain what they needed right hollywood makes has made a killing off of movies that show exactly this dirty harry right uh all the cops the lethal weapon guys you know uh Mm -hmm. they've all they've all done things that any officer would be charged with civil penalties for nowadays because we're so soft on crime and criminals and we are pro harassing the people that are doing the jobs that are are preventing those problems from spreading in society right Mm -hmm. so in the solution that I outlined in my book, right? Common sense, a 2020 perspective. There's my plug. Um, in that solution, it very clearly outlines that the control and containment of a riot or a looting or a burning or a mass terrorist event in our nation, the opposition to that must be accomplished by the citizens and not our already ordained law enforcement and military operations because. They are prohibited by our laws because we have coddled criminals for so long. We now have to 
turn the clock back and go back to where citizens defend their own country on their own land. Yep. Yeah. That's and, exactly. and, and, and until we get to that point, none of this is going to be solved. Well, not only that, you know, not only you talk, you talk about the cops, but then mm-hmm. you have um, on, on, on the, um, you have these DAs all around the nation that were voted in the office the past four years. That were the George Soros sponsored DAs. Yeah, that's right. And they, they're not prosecuting crimes. They're adding to the environment of lawlessness. Right. Because right. they're not prosecuting these low level crimes. New York city is a, is a crap hole now because of Bill de Blasio. <laughs> yeah. and LA's been of, that way for a long time. Right. And because of the DA and Giuliani, when he cleaned it up, when Julie, when Rudy Giuliani cleaned up, because I remember coming to New York before Giuliani, and I yeah. remember coming to New York after Giuliani, and it was clean. There right. was no porn theaters in Times Square. Um, you had a Disney store. You had Toys R Us. You had Bubblegum Shrimp. Like all, you know, everything was good in Times Square. There was no more because there used to be a bunch of porn stores. Um. And, and stuff like that, strip clubs and stuff like that in Times Square. But all of that stuff right. was gone. Then he started prosecuting low level crimes in New mm. York City. Yep. And the, the theory was that if you prosecute low level crimes it'll avoid, you'll avoid some of the bigger crimes that take place in your city. Right. And so that stuff worked. And so now New York, New York has done a 180 because of Bill de Blasio and because they defunded yeah. the police. Um, you know, the plain clothes unit where they would do like uh once they know, started arguing once they started arguing against stop and frisk, that was where the decline began. Yep, right? exactly. Because because once you once you take away the initiative by officers on the street, now I will say that with a caveat that the thin blue line protects the wrong people at times. Okay. Yep. There is no value in a corrupt police officer. Bury them behind bars or put them out to pasture and do not continue their service. They have no authority or right to wear that uniform. So if we're not dealing with corrupt police officers and firing them immediately the moment that something is actually happening. Now, here's the problem. The the, the biggest schism between identifying who the bad officers are and um, making sure that they're held accountable for their actions is that criminals lie. More than anybody else on the planet, criminals are the ones that are going to lie. So you have all these people to include their mothers. Oh, he was a good boy. He was always this and that. And they, they tell all these lies about these people that run afoul of the law. But when you run afoul of the law consistently over and over again, it's not the law. The problem is you, right? When you mm-hmm. have single mothers that are enabling this crap with all of their motherhood principles and all this stuff, where they're, you know, they show kindness and they show compassion and empathy and all this other nonsense for bad behavior. no. That's not supposed to happen. And this is a, the end result of this is the discovery that fatherless homes create more problems for society than we yep. could ever imagine, right? Exactly. But at the end of the day, when you have your mothers and your, the people of your community and even the people that can be galvanized and manipulated by skin color, right? Saying, oh, George Floyd was, a, a, he's a saint. He wasn't doing anything wrong. No, he was trying to pass off $20 bills high on fentanyl took an overdose and then freaked out in the back of a truck and took him out as a courtesy. And next thing you know, now they've got to contain him and they contained him wrong. And one bad decision 
on his part led to a whole series of things that resulted in the loss of his life. That entire yeah. scenario was George Floyd's fault, if you understand accountability. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now that, that doesn't excuse Chauvin's actions. Yeah. But it yeah. does put it in the proper context, right? I, I always said that because George Floyd has had so many interact chances. He has so many interactions <laughs> with the police. It's like right. At what point do you blame, you know, now I don't excuse Chauvin's actions for you know, what right. led to George Floyd's death, right. because on the other side, Chauvin had so many chances. So That's neither correct. one of them should have been in that situation. George Floyd should have been in jail a long and time Chauvin, ago. And Chauvin should have been fired long ago. He should have been fired from the police a long time ago. Chauvin. That's right. So, so. We've got this scenario where the police have protected their own so long because they know that criminals lie and they'd rather have the tough guy that can get the job done than to comply with the sissification of society and the things that we do that enable criminals to act against everybody else with impunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, when you look at those those things, we, we, we've created an environment where liberalism is the status quo that has become the norm now right? Mm -hmm. Lib liberalism is destructive in every form and fashion. And so when you look at those paradigms, the police have to hold themselves accountable. But I honestly believe that at this point, it's going to take a third party evaluating every single internal affairs investigation to get that done, right? Yeah. The, them investigating themselves is clearly not working, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we can fix that part, right? That, that's actually a very easy fix. You, you have an FBI or some other jurisdictional oversight program that reviews all internal affairs investigations and um, produces an additional investigation where necessary, okay? Yeah. Um, but the criminal part, that's on everybody, okay? And when you look at that, what we allow is what will continue. And when you allow criminals to act with reckless abandon in the streets and do whatever they want, and you, if you arrest them, they kick them back out on the streets to do the exact same thing again. There's no punishment for any of the crimes they commit. Crime is going to continue, right? Mm -hmm. And that is liberalism in its purest essence, is the destruction of society in a, I guess, you're destroying society in order to enable people's misnomers of freedom. What they're doing is actually destroying freedom in the process. Yeah, I mean, just look at California, and I hate to say California because California has become so cliche-ish, um, mm. but look at the, the lawlessness that exists there. Now, they know, started that, the though, in the, in, the, in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, they did. And California, has been, California has been the state that has led the nation in legal, I call them faux pas, um, these little legal precedents that set the, the case standard for the rest of the nation. Um, it's well-intentioned sometimes. Sometimes it does produce a semblance of greater equality or access to something, whatever else. But the flip side of what they do is actually very destructive because they do, um, they make excuses for criminals as opposed to punishing the criminals. We don't punish criminals in society anymore, right? Yeah. Prison, you go, you go to prison and you, you get fed three meals a day, mostly, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You, you get taken care of. you got a place to sleep. The only thing that you have as a threat really is the people that are serving time with you, right? Yeah. Um, but prisons are, by and large, not productive, right? There are still some prison systems that crank out things like license plates. Um, but we need to go back to hard labor as a concept for prison, right? Yeah. Where if you're, if you're uh, a prisoner in a system, do you know how many potholes we can fill using our prisoners within the nation? 
Yeah, we could. We could right? build a lot of stuff using prisoners. That's right. And you take them out there and they can be chain ganged or they can work responsibly. And if they run, you just shoot them on site. Right. I mean, th- there's no we have to understand that people need to be taught work ethic and values and virtue and to push them to become a better version of themselves on a daily basis. And when we don't do that, especially in an institutionalized system, such as the prison system, all mm-hmm. we're doing is turning out a more hardened version of what they already were, which is what got them there in the first place. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you did, if you introduce now, some places do have hard labor. Um, that I had a con- standard. I had a conversation with um this was, I think this was about eight months ago. Right. I had a conversation on the phone with Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Nice. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. We had a good conversation and he talked about, you know, his, the prisoners that they oversee, um, that they oversaw in that County. They do right. labor. Mm-hmm. Um, they do labor. And a lot of those guys do not come back. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but but they leave with work ethic. They leave yep. with a sense of self-worth because they they survive that, right? Mm-hmm. You will never you, okay, no, I won't say never because that's an absolute, but you will rarely ever see someone who goes through military basic training, even if they failed out and didn't make the cut in the army, right? Mm-hmm. Or didn't make the cut wherever they were going. If they washed out, they still wish they had done it. They still wish they had finished the service and had served and done what they did, right? Yeah. Very few people ever leave that experience hating basic training, right? Because yeah. you hate it. You hate it in the moment. You're like, oh, this sucks, right? You hate being punished for everybody else's mistakes, right? And it's just like, oh, seriously, dude, just pull your head out of your ass and get going, right? But that the, the reality is, is that the things that challenge us, the things that make us work hard so that we earn our sense of value and self-worth in this world are the things that matter to us the most, right? right. And you value those the most. And so when you have no value on your life, it makes it very easy for you to be susceptible to the the notions of liberalism where they tell you, you deserve something. You only deserve what you earn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just because you're born doesn't entitle you to a damn thing on this planet. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I show up in somebody else's nation and say, Oh, I'm here. I deserve to be here. They're going to put me in jail and then flip me back to the United States. Yeah. Okay. Unless I have some form of knowledge or benefit for their society that they say we'd like to keep you. Right. Yep. So that's the reality is that we invite everybody here. We misquote and mislabel and misuse that Emma Lazarus quote on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, which I wish they needed to just scrub that off. Give me your poor, your hungry, your tired. No, we've got enough poor, hungry, and tired. Let's give me your talented. Let's give me the people that actually want to be here because they appreciate freedom and because they desire to be here. And the reality is most people coming here have a greater appreciation for freedom than the Americans that live here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is very true, John. I'm, and I'm not trying to crap on Americans, right? I'm saying that we become so soft and comfortable with what we are accustomed to. We don't have an appreciation for the things we take for granted every day. Yeah, yeah. Like our liberties. That's why our liberties are slipping away because natural born Americans are apathetic. Right. Well, and it's an apathy born of, of driven choice, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we've made the pursuit of money our God, right? Absolutely. Everything is about what you earn. You always constantly find more things to spend money on from entertainment to the trinkets and toys and technology and stuff that we have. 
you have to keep paying rent. You got to keep paying stuff. The, the land already exists here in its natural state. Ownership and turning that into a real estate discussion makes it a profit venture. And now you've got to chase your tail and work for a 30-year mortgage that should have cost you way less than what it does, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so people make money off of that. So that's the system of capitalism. But capitalism without honor, again, without virtue, is exploitation, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and so people don't want to have this conversation because it makes them uncomfortable because they question themselves and their own work ethic and uh, motives in making money. And that's not the point of the discussion. The point of the discussion is: Are we paying the right amount for the right things? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? John. Exactly, right. And and so um, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that we can modify in this country, but getting people to have an open mind and appreciate the fact the fact that they take everything for granted right now would cause them to upset their apple cart in the daily grind they've become accustomed to. And they, they're, they're basically mental slaves in their mind. As long as yeah. they're, chasing, they're chasing stasis, right? Keeping everything on, on the path that it is currently because that's what seems to be winning for them. As long as they're okay with that stasis, they will not rock that apple cart for any reason. Yeah, nobody wants to be wrong. That's for sure. Right. Nobody and, wants and, to be wrong. And they're afraid to take a chance on themselves, right? But the, the problem is, is that once you become accustomed to a life where crap settles on your shoulders daily, you just brush it off and say, well, it, maybe it'll stop later, but I got to keep doing what I got to do. No, deal with the, the, the source of the problem, which is what's dropping crap on you in the first place, right? Yep, absolutely. And so, but in order to do that, humans are most humans are not critical thinkers. Okay. That's why mm -hmm. critical thinking is one of the four fundamental elements of common sense. The people that actually exhibit common sense on a daily basis are number one critical thinkers. They think everything through not to find the asymmetric tangent that nobody cares about, but yep. to find out how that knowledge applies and can be replicated consistently in their life on a daily basis. Right. Yep. Exactly. That's critical thinking. Right. And so when you talk to people, most of them get it. They, they lack the ability to think through the full scope and spectrum of actions and consequences and the outcomes that they will produce 10 to 15 degrees of separation down the line from the choices they make today. But then you put them in an emergency situation. Now they got to fight. They'll figure out how to do that really quickly, right? Yeah. So the reality, the reality is, is that war, for, for better or worse, has always changed the world for the better because mm -hmm. it provides a fresh start, right? The purge in blood provides a refreshing of everything else that's going on around it. Those that survive recognize that there was something bad that has to be changed, and they take that opportunity to say, let's change this, right? Mm -hmm, so 9-11 mm -hmm. was a wake-up call for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? But we've known about the problems in the Muslim world since at least the... Since Thomas uh, Jefferson. Well, yeah, exactly, right? The barbed fire <laughs> stuff and all that stuff. But I'm talking in the modern day. Okay. Since, the eight, since the 80s and we got involved with Afghanistan under Charlie Wilson's war, we've known that the Islamic problem, and I'm saying extremism, not just standard Islam, but the Islamic extremism problem was going to come and bother us again. And I, I promise you 15 to 20 years from now, it's going to raise its head again. Okay, yeah. It goes in cycles, right? And so when you look at those things and you understand that the world is full of people that don't share the same values as we do, and everybody's looking to conquer somebody else, and war is profitable, 
war changes things and it gives you power if you win. So there's always going to be people that are trying to seize power the cheap way. <clears throat> right? That's true. And, and, and then their, their end game is they want to they control economies. They want to control people. They want to control governments and shipping and trades and the things that generate wealth because we've associated wealth with power. But power comes in many different forms, right? Mm-hmm. The power of intellect will always be superior to wealth. Wealth is what allows you to survive in this world, but true critical thinking makes you a, a cut above everybody else on the planet that doesn't do it at all. That's true. You talked about war being um, more, you know, war breeds power. Um, right. I'm, I'm looking at our government and I'm seeing China and Russia outmaneuver our government every turn. <clears throat> there, and, yep. To me, it seems like they're coordinating something. Uh, sure no, on that. no, the, the, China and Russia aren't coordinating anything, right? The, the red Chinese and the red Rusky government, those, those relics of cold war communist um, extension, they've modified the way that they do. Like China has a communist government, but a capitalist economy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I say capitalist with the inclusion of their economic exploitation of cheap labor. Right. Yeah. Cause they do not, they do not do capitalism honorably at all. No. Um, so Russia, the, the Ukraine uh, now, and I had a girlfriend from the Ukraine for a few years. Right. And I learned about the Ukraine, um, is one of the richest, uh, healthy places to, to be or live in the world. The Ukraine was the breadbasket of the Soviet union when there was the Soviet union. Okay. Yeah. They raised, I think it was 87% of all of Russia's food production. Wow. That's, yeah, that's plus the black plus the black seaports, right? So you have you have water, you have uh, food production, you have those resources. The the soil in that region is so rich; it has uh, so many different uh, minerals that can be mined. Plus the crop production, the, the Ukraine is just a a wealthy piece of land on the planet. It's like us, right? The United States has some very wealthy land just because mm-hmm. of its inherent placement and the resources and materials that are there. So that's the Ukraine, and the fight for the Ukraine is really a fight for resources and a fight for the longevity and sustainability of the old Soviet Union that they want to reestablish at some point because the world is becoming more – the world is becoming integrated on a Tower of Babel plane that yeah. Putin is smart enough to see that's dangerous, right? When everybody is united, problems become a whole lot bigger, right? Yeah. If we stay disengaged and disconnected on a global platform, we create less problems for ourselves because we don't have to abide or adhere to anyone else's standards, expectations, production outputs, or the things that we do as a country. Okay, When the United States is isolationist, we mind our own business, right? Now, that doesn't pan out well for us all the time. We saw how long it took us to get into World War II, yeah. right? Hitler was already involved in destroying everybody in 1939. It took us two years, and the Japanese hitting Pearl Harbor before we even said, well, maybe we should get involved, right? Yeah. So two years, again, that's, that's the, the government apathy. Um, and who was in charge during that time? Was it Truman? It was um, FDR, and then you had Winston Churchill in Great Britain. Right. So FDR, though, he was in charge in 39. Yeah, FDR. The FDR, the great socialist. He was actually probably a Nazi sympathizer. 
Okay. Well, he had to. They had to beg him to go to war. I mean, Churchill used to write him letters. But he was on the same side as the Nazis when it comes to national control. He held the same ideology. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. FDR's New Deal was built on socialism because that's how we got Social Security. Yeah. FDR for everything that people claim that he did that was good. He was actually the antithesis of what our founding fathers were. He was yep. dead wrong for this country, right? Yeah, he and was. it doesn't, Terrible. and it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, so, but he he set the stage for the failure we have today, and it was only because we were forced to act, right, that we got involved in World War II, which shows how pathetic that um, lack of critical thinking and lack of virtue is. If I see people getting slaughtered in another country. And I could do something about it. Why shouldn't I? Right. Yeah. And there's and, and that's the catch 22 of globalism is that we see things that are going on in China, in Africa and, every, and these other places. But as long as we're profiting from that by having cheaper made goods that are sold in your local Walmarts, we don't care because that benefits us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a gut shot to pretty much every American in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the moment that it becomes a disaster or catastrophe, we want to put on our cape and start trying to save the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it takes disaster for humans to be galvanized into action, even in things that they know to be wrong. Right. Yeah. So when we look at these things from our riots by Antifa and BLM that are destroying cities and destroying businesses and killing people and doing all this other stuff, we, we are looking at, the substrate of human behavior that necessitates a response that is so violent that it stops the problem eventually, but the problem is eventually when it should be stopped in its tracks now, right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that conversation just flew over the head of most Americans right there. Unless you're yeah. truly a Christian conservative that understands the value of virtue and doing things the right way according to biblical principle, you have no concept of what I just said. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. Exactly. We were talking about FDR and um, you're talking <laughs> about war. I hate and, that guy. <laughs> and a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. You know, I've, I've read, uh, I've read a lot about FDR. Um, I've read um, a couple of books, but I've read, I've read a lot about World War II. I've always been fascinated with World War II. Right. And, um, you and know, I, 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 same here. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just a fascinating time. And the fact that, you know, that war was won, you know, by a group of teenagers, um, the greatest generation, um, you know, that it it was just, you know, to me, it's just amazing, you know. I I think the the most compelling epitaph of the World War II scenario is that was the last time we actually were committed as a nation and a people to defeating an actual perceptible evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right? Hitler was Hitler was going to take Great Britain. He That's was right. Close to, the, he was close to taking it. But the Holocaust, just destroying people just because you didn't like who they were, right? Yeah. That, that, that was happening in 1939, but we didn't act, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, Pol- the Polish Jews and all the uh, Birkenau and all that stuff that were already going on in 1939 was already going on, but it didn't affect us, right? Yeah. And so it, it took us getting smacked in the face at Pearl Harbor, right? And losing, losing 3,000 lives to say, maybe we should do something about standing for right, right? Yeah. And, and, and 
that's the part where globalism, if done honorably, is the right thing because you can stop those dictators and scumbags from ever taking over before they get there, right? And I think that's the intent of organizations like the CIA and all that stuff. They try to do that, but the problem is when you're already corrupt morally at your core, mm-hmm. every action that you do from that point out becomes a protection of interest rather than standing for what's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at now in this nation. We, yeah. We're protecting our interest abroad instead of standing for what's right. Yeah, I, th- I feel that too. I definitely feel that. Um, and, 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 and it's quarter, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a metaphorically. So in, in World War II, you know, FDR, you know, he shut capitalism down, like capitalism was shut down. He, he regulated the businesses so much that capitalism per se was kind of shut down. And it wasn't until, um, you know, we got hit at Pearl Harbor and he he ha- he had to go to some of the world's most knowledgeable businessmen mm. to 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 turn the machine back on. That's how we got that was that that was the success of the war. It was the factories. It was the workers. It was the women. Um, right. Yeah. The stateside support effort was incredible. It was incredible. And, you know, and just reading about it, I'm like, man, just imagine, you know, kind of being there. Um, but but, th- think, but think about this. There's a hidden cultural story in there that most people miss, right? If you watch the first Captain America movie, it was in there, but people don't want to talk about it. Um, people would do tire drives. They would do different things where they collected different resources to produce. They had to produce metal for the bullets, so they would go around and collect their metals and turn those into uh, alloys that they could use for rounds and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And so our production machine required sacrifice from pretty much every American in the nation. Yeah. Can you can you imagine that ask today? Yeah. How, yeah. That these, be... Oh, my God. These people here would they would. I, I mean, it, it's enough. Now, here's the thing is that they're sheeple enough to do it if the government commands it. Right. They need some puppet like Fauci to walk out and say, this is in America's best interest to so do this with us. And they'll, a lot of people will follow that. Right. They won't do it because of the kindness or the goodness of their heart. They'll do it because some figure told them to. Yeah, not only that, they were selling like bonds, you know, people were buying bonds and right. they were raising money for the war. Like it, it's amazing what, yeah. you know, all of the things that went into play when it came to winning that war. It was literally um, all hands on deck for World right. War II. Um, and, you know, you got to give, you know, not only the Axis power some credit, but um you know, the Russians, you have to give them their credit, you know, sure. they stop, you know, they, and I, this is where I get into it with like some, some um, anti-capitalists. They're like, you know, it was communism that defeated um, Hitler, you know, the Russians, <laughs> I get, I get yeah. into those arguments too with, with people yeah. sometimes, you know, they stopped him at Stalinburg and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, capitalism stopped Hitler. It was freedom. Right. Um, it was all hands on deck. It was the capitalist machine, you know, making airplanes, making bullets, you yeah. know, making tanks, you know, making all the weaponry that we needed in order to defeat mm. that regime. Right. Um, and it was it was a capitalist, William Netson, who was um, he was a he was a uh, he was an automobile executive, you know, right. FDR, one of the people that FDR went to in order to turn the machine back on. They needed to get the machine um, back running in order to. Uh, to produce so <laughs> right. 
Yeah. And, and let's be honest. I mean, most of the people that are somehow between the sixties with all the nasty hippie chicks that were spitting on soldiers and calling them baby killers that now support abortion, that, that concept of liberalism changed to where now liberals are endorsing the very systems that would destroy them up front. Right. Mm-hmm. You got, you, you got people that claim to be liberals that are for socialism, that are for communism. Do they not understand that that's going to be a completely counterproductive conversation once the, the powers that be that they want in charge say, well, we don't like what you have to stand for any longer. So you're done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The, the first people that go. Oh, yeah. Know, if you, if you look at the history of communism and socialism, whether it be Hitler, whether it be Fidel Castro or whoever else. Right. The first people that get corrected are the useful idiots that helped right. them get into power that's right the collaborators right yeah <laughs> yeah this is a great conversation <laughs> yeah on super bowl sunday <laughs> man i'm telling you what yeah it's it's uh it's a conversation that's necessary and i really don't think a lot of people have the emotional maturity or intelligence to handle this conversation look inwardly and say hmm, we may have gotten some things wrong right what well, I think in a way, you know, it's kind of a metaphor in World War Two. Um, I think you had the American conscience was kind of woken up by that um, that attack in Pearl Harbor. And I think it's going to take something, a Pearl Harbor like event. I don't know. It, ha- not, not, it happened in 9-11, right? It happened in 9-11. We were we were unified for a country for about two weeks after 9-11. Yeah, we okay. were actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, there, there was not a more pro-American sentiment you could find on the planet than two weeks after 9-11. Okay? Exactly. And then once all of the Michael Moores and all the agents of chaos and all these folks started criticizing the Bush administration for not perfectly managing a war, all of a sudden, all the people started pitting themselves against each other and saying, oh, we, you know, we can do it better, but we have no solutions, but we know we can do it better. And that that was the beginning of the downfall for us. Second term Bush um, led to Obama, right? Yeah. Two terms, two, two terms of Obama led to Trump as the backlash. Yeah. One term of Trump led to Biden as a backlash, right? Yep. Because let's be honest, Trump offended people on the right as well because he called things what they were. And all these never Trumpers that think they're these geniuses and God's gift to uh, humanity have no solutions of their own. Right? You know, they lose elections. They, they don't. They, just, they, don't, they, they don't love know how criticizing. To they love yeah, they criticizing. Lo- they don't know how they to love- motivate voters. That's it. And, and and the thing is, the left is much more committed to its intentions because it draws in the crowd of people with the emotional pleas. Right? Mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm. doing good. In a, in a corrupt world, it does not have the same compulsion as doing evil that everyone else is joining in on. Because if everyone else is joining in on it, can you be wrong, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the whole movement, uh, the, the synthesis, of, synthesis of movement behind things like BLM, the LGBTQ community. All of those movements thrive on claiming to be victims and then taking that and saying, if you aren't with us, you're the bad guys. And then spinning that narrative out of control until there's no good guys left, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who is cancel culture promoted as a better option? Right? Nobody. They just they're quick. 
they're quick to point out wrong, but they're not quick to support right. Yeah, they just cancel. Right? They, that's right. They, all they're looking for is destruction. And that is the liberalism mentality in a nutshell, is that it is freedom to the point of destruction. Mm. It's the chaos and anarchy of the mind that leads one down the pathway to hell as rebellion against God and the freedom that's established by following his word and the principles in the Bible and using common sense and saying, hey, this is probably not a good idea. So once you practice restraint and you apply that to your personal freedoms and you develop a sense of personal responsibility and accountability, you understand true freedom. As long as, you're, as long as you're operating in chaos, you will always be destined for failure. And at some point, failure has to meet destruction in order to course correct. Amen. Wow. Wow. So I guess we're going to stop there. This is, uh, <laughs> that was, that was a summation. Yeah, yeah, man, that was great. I, I, I rest my case, Your Honor. Hit gavel. <laughs> right. So we got to do part three. You want to do part three? Okay. Do part three. We got to do part three of this. But for now, we're going to have to wrap it up. Okay. Um, tell the audience where to get your book again. Uh, it's on Amazon and Kindle. Common Sense, a 2020 perspective. It's got a cool cover and lots of people like it. They it's love it. Actually. Too. It's a great that- read, too. Yeah, it's definitely something that we need. I, like I like I told you in our first podcast, it was something that, um, you know, that people people that want to save the country can rally around. This book needs right. to be passed out and passed around. So thanks for thanks for being on, and we're no, gonna I, do part I, three I, next week. I appreciate your comments on the first podcast. They stuck with me. Uh, you said that this book is the essence of true Christian conservatism. It is. <laughs> it really yeah. is. So I, I appreciate that because that's, you know, for, for me, I, I rely on the Bible and I have my son read the Bible and my book. And I think that, you know, if I can do any job as a parent, it's preparing him for the real world. And if I've done that correctly, everything else is just life. Right. Yeah. And so that that's what I tried to do with the book. And I, I've got my second book is in the works. That's on the way. But it's going to be a more cerebral approach this one is just the basics and getting that that fundamental knowledge out there and i think that that's a that's a worthy endeavor it's just getting more people to listen and say hey look this is this is important because if we don't do it right now we're gonna have to pay the price later this is the cure